Next Chapter Podcasts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The 500. The 500. Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J.M. On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end The 22nd of loneliness. What happened on the 22nd? Is there a bill due? I didn't know there was a month called loneliness. The song is called Creep. It's by TLC from their 1994 record, Crazy Sexy Cool. It's also number 379 out of 500 on the 500 with me, the king of fleece, Josh Adam Myers. What's up, Fleece Army? Attention! Dude, this is a good episode this week. Did everybody listen to the record? I hope so. Because this is one of those records where you know know the hits and maybe a lot of you haven't listened to the rest of the record. Uh, I personally hadn't. So this took me back to the motherfucking 90s for sure. Dude, I was about to break out my Jinko jeans and my... Whatever I wore back then, which was probably god-awful because I wore clothes way too big for my body. Did anybody else do that? Anybody else wear clothes way too big? I was I was like a, I was like below a small and I was wearing like extra, extra large. Good God. No wonder I didn't get laid until I was like 18. I got some dates coming up, guys. Uh, this weekend, March 4th through the 7th, I will be at the House of Comedy in Minnesota. March 11th through the 13th, I'll be at American Comedy Company uh, in San Diego. And the 25th through the 27th, I'll be with Big J Okerson in Ohio. I think in Dayton. Go to BigJComedy.com to find out that show. But for the March 4th through the 7th and the 11th and 13th, you can get tickets at JoshAdamMyers.com backslash shows. I want to see you guys there, man. You know, we're starting to open shit up. We're, I'm starting to get back out on the road. And it's just a matter of time before we're doing a goddamn comedy jam in your neighborhood. 
Let's talk video, everybody. If you're watching the show, then you know we got it on our YouTube channel. It drops on Thursdays, and on Wednesday, it goes to all the Patreon members. Uh, so join our Patreon. It's only $5 a month. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. We are recording albums that did not make the list where the guest is the host, and they're making me a fan. Our first one's with John Dore. We're recording it. We recorded it yesterday because this comes out on Wednesday. And that'll be dropping very, very soon. And we're going to start having more frequent ones. So please support the show. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. My guest today is a huge fan of TLC Crazy Sexy Cool. I love this girl to death. It's Yamanika Saunders. If you don't know Yamanika, she is a powerhouse of comedy. uh, An incredible human being. We've uh, done a shitload of festivals together. We did the Impractical Jokers cruise. And if you haven't seen her, guys, go watch her Comedy Central half hour. She was a semifinalist on Last Comic Standing. She's got a shitload of clips up on her social media, and she is hilarious. And she's a huge fan of this record with incredible stories, so you guys are going to enjoy it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free on all platforms. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple or any platform that you're listening to it follow me at josh adam myers on all social media email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com if you want to tell us to go fuck ourselves go ahead follow the facebook group run back the heaven at the 500 podcast with jam and for all things 500 go to our website the 500 podcast.com well t-bonds do you want to intro the episode here we go with 370 Girl, she's gonna hide a tequila <laughs> bottle in her hair when we had a layover in Mexico. That's still my favorite thing anybody's ever done on any. Just to give everybody a little backstory, me and Yam, who I've known for years and I love you to death, uh, we were we did the Joker's cruise, which was in Mexico, and we uh, we stop over. Where was it? Just in the middle of, like fucking someplace mexico like yeah it was it was someplace mexico i don't even know if it was a part of mexico i think it was still a part of america and they lied to us they just had they just like, get more mexicans out there like <laughs> he's like i'm nicaraguan i don't give a shit get out there and and we are we were partying we're having a great time on the beach and then so, was it ari somebody wanted to steal the the tequila bottle and bring it back you couldn't bring anything back on the ship oh no my one of one of my fans Get, bought me tequila and I said I can't I don't want to check it and they're gonna make me check it and she goes no you don't have to check it I said yeah and then I said you know what I said I can just put it in my hair and and you guys were like there's no way I said nobody's gonna ask a black woman what's in her hair and so I had this huge Marge Simpson high but I mean it was ridiculous I mean, it was higher than the the alien cones from like the SNL sketch or like, you know, uh, Mars attack. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, it was so ridiculous. They could have said, ma'am, if if this is not a tumor that's in your head, we have to check and see what this is. It was obnoxious. And I walked right, and I was also teetering my head like something was in my head. 
fucking head. And they still, because the a white man's worst nightmare is to ask a black woman what's in her hair <laughs> because he doesn't want to seem racist. So, all right, TLC. Yes. Uh, this, this, I, why, why do I feel like this is an important record for you? It, it, I love TLC. I mean, TLC, I, you know, TLC was like a secret crush for me because I grew up very religious and I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. And I had already had a run in with my grandmother because she found, uh, you know, those, uh, I'm, I'm going to date myself, but you know, we used to get Columbia house record, you know, Fuck yeah, dude. Like, I still owe him $3 for, for the yeah, 55 fact, CDs I, I got. One of my first checks I wrote was to get a boys to men poster. That's how old I am because boys to men ain't been making nobody wet since what? <laughs> At least 25 years ago. So, 25. That's, that's being generous. Right. Right. Okay. So when, but I never got the poster, but I had the, I had gotten Usher's, uh, one of Usher's songs and my grandmother found it in my, my CD player. Cause you know, I was only allowed to listen to like Shirley Caesar and gospel and stuff like that. You better, you listen, you better have the Lord up in there. You better not bring no demons in this house. You know, I had a hard time cause I was in musical theater also as a kid. So sometimes it's like, I could barely even sing West Side Story in the house cause it was too secular. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my grandmother was like, we don't know nothing about Maria, but we know about Jesus, and that's all we want to hear in this house. So I had to sneak and listen to TLC. So I what I used to, and I'm really about to date myself. Do it. Come on, man. I had just started, I believe, community college when this album was out. I'm really dating myself here. And I, I my grandparents gave me their old Hyundai, not Honda, Hyundai. I know okay? Hyundai. I thought it was Hyundai, but I'll go with Hyundai. No, it's, it's a Honda and it's a Hyundai. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> you go get some shit for Maryland, that. Maryland now, Hyundai. <laughs> yeah. okay? Go get, go get the, the Hyundai. The one with the original rims, the, the Hyundai. Hyundai. Get the Hyundai. So I'm driving the Hyundai, okay? Smoking cigarettes. Now, my grandmother doesn't know I smoke, so I have to smoke on my drive from the house to campus, right? And I would listen to Crazy Sexy Cool. I would listen to TLC, and I would sneak and listen, and then, you know, you got to make sure you pop, you know, the cassette out, you know, because I'm doing a time where you still had a cassette CD option. Like, if you had a CD, you was Paris Hilton or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, the sex was for poor niggas that didn't have shit. You know what I'm saying? Your family still shop at the dollar store and eat spam. But the, you know, these kids now, now they think a CD is like, ah, that's so old school. Do you? I, I would have killed at least seven people in my family just to have enough cash to get a CD. Are you crazy? And I grew up well, so you know. But yeah, that that I, I love that album. You know, and and the thing about TLC was. See, black black people always have had girl groups. You understand? It's not you can't hardly name no white girl groups, and you don't. That's because you don't need it. Because everybody Wait, uh, wild. I got one wild orchid. Oh, honey, three black, <laughs> three three culturally appropriate white vocalists, please. That yeah. one, uh, please. 
you said I can't think of one. But, but you see how you see where they tucked them? They tucked them right in the clearance bin or R and B because you cannot. White people ain't got time to be hearing no white bitches sing like niggas. They not in the mood for that. So that's why they could never get their career off the ground. Three orchids, and then niggas is like, "What the fuck is an orchid?" We don't even like that type of shit. That's what I'm saying. They were so busy trying to market to white people whilst also trying to be black. But you don't need white girls. Don't need a girl group because what people ready to just jump behind a white bitch no matter what. Niggas got to be in groups so white people can go. Let me pick out which one's the least threatening. So with this, we've always had girl groups, right? But out of those groups, you always had somebody that brought the jazz to the group. You understand what I'm saying? And Leftile was the one that kept bringing the jazz. She did, the, you know, like she was represented the least because she was more of like the, the you know, she was a hip hop artist, a rapper on the thing. And every now and then they would let her sing a hook. But she was the one that was lifting up that fucking group with her talent, even her antics and shit. So, and that's no disrespect to Chili and T-Boz because they were amazing. I don't think T-Boz ever got the credit that she deserved for what a great vocalist she is. You understand? Wow, you, really? You think that T-Boz is a great... I, I, I wrote earlier after I listened to Creep, I was like, this bitch sings below the diaphragm. She's like, you know... That's low. It's, it's the mimicking, right, of what sure. people perceive deserves a certain accolade so for us to consider somebody to be a vocalist they have to no disrespect to Whitney Houston put on these sort of ball gowns and couture to be a vocalist meanwhile back at the ranch that wasn't even Whitney Whitney style was like I'm, I'm a real bitch from Newark I don't give a fuck nobody would ever consider the bitch from Newark a vocalist you see and that's why I overlooked T-Boz, because she had, you know, the, the blonde bob and all this shit. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. You don't take her seriously. So nobody really listened to how well she sung. She didn't get the credit she deserved. So it was, but it was, it was a great album. Their vibe, you know, was really, really great. I think they get undersold for how amazing they were as a girl group, because they were eclipsed by Destiny's Child. And this yes, is a, they were. Yeah, I didn't even that, think about that, Yum. Destiny's Child is more my, I'm in the age range of, um, you know, Destiny's Child, more so than TLC. You know, I'm just a little undercut from them. But when you have Destiny's Child that eclipsed how amazing TLC was, because TLC was crossover, you understand? They weren't just an R&B group. They had this eclectic vibe to them that crossed them over. What happens again because of systemic racism and how much it plays a part, even in music, is that once you now give white people and black people who also have self-hating issues from time to time and colorism, once you give people an option of having the accessibility of blackness without having all blackness there, they, it gets replaced. This is why people are constantly looking for a white girl that can sing soul so that she can replace the black girl that we have to keep watching to do it because we don't know the white bitches that can do it. It's constantly about taking the undercurrent of what it is and then putting a white face on it. So when you brought somebody like a Beyonce, who we found out later is super talented and amazing, all these things, what really propelled them was the fact, yo, it's like, is she white? Is she light skinned? Like, is she... So it, you had all this ambiguity 
that people could attach themselves to. And um, I always feel like TLC as a whole should be more comparatively ranked with Destiny's Child than for it to sort of be like, of course they wouldn't reach the heights that Destiny's Child would be able to because they didn't have the accessibility to. Yeah. No. You know what's funny that you say that? It's like, because on this list that we're doing, there is no Destiny's Child record, right? There isn't. On the new list, there's probably all of them and then every record Beyonce did. And I'm not taking anything away from right. how important those records are, because they are. But man, I never thought of that. I never thought it was like the second TLC, you know, Left Eye dies in what, 2002? Am I right or wrong, Morty? Yeah. I'm right. She dies in 2002. And that's two years prior, like 2000, I think, where the first Destiny's Child record comes out. And it was like, by that point, we had already forgotten about how important and how Mm -hmm. great TLC was. Dude, I still can pinpoint the fucking moment I saw them. That video, and I've been re-listening to it, because I don't think you could talk about this record without talking about Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Right. Do you get, dude, JT, did you get the clip that I asked you for? Waterfall. Did you get it? You didn't get it, did you? Oh, you motherfucker. Keep this in the podcast. What are you talking about? Because I'm playing. No, 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 not Waterfall. I want to hear, I want this part right here. Hold on. I, I fucking love this song so much. Wait, I'll give you a little bit of left eye. It's the middle of the night. I'm proud to you. got two inches of your rock harder if it's sagging. Oh, okay, talking about and it. And girl was like, that's right, bitch. I've been trying to tell them I ain't too proud to bang, girl. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. I I can't tell you how much I love it, and I can't tell you how great. We were really lucky because last week we did Toots and the Maytals, which pushed me in this great mood. And then this record for me was like, man, it just took me right back to like 1994. It took me back to all the vibes. But man, it's just like you can pinpoint the exact outfits that went with the shit they were singing. So this was more than just... Like, I remember people wearing, trying to dress exactly like Lisa Left Eye Lopez. And, and then you had the girls that wanted to be T-Boz. You had the girls that wanted to be Chili. That's what's so important about TLC is, like you said, these girls, you could you could look at them and be like, oh, I'm, I'm a left eye. I'm, a, I'm crazy. And then you're like, well, I'm cool, like, like, like T-Boz, wow. and I'm and chill. I'm 
you know. Yeah, yeah. and I'm sexy. Like, and that's how they would reduce women anyway, right? People don't understand how smart what they did was because a lot of TLC stuff had messaging that you want to understand, either a political connotation or some sort of ism that was going on in the world. Like, even Waterfalls is deeper than people give it credit for. And, you know, that's because they they started off being a progressive group that wanted to enlighten and change the world. And that's that's the thing. We have groups that want to make an impact, but Destiny's Child does give acknowledgement to uh, TLC, which is great and which is what we, what we need. And Beyonce, I know, has always been an artist who likes to give credit to the people that she, um, you know, looked up to from Michael Jackson to Tina Turner, um, you know, uh, just constantly letting people know who, you know, were supportive of her. And that's why, to be honest with you, you know, Destiny's Child is my group. TLC, I love them. I love them. They were my group too. I felt in the middle of both of them. But when we talk about all the way back to the Supremes, to Shirelles and all of these like groups that just because we're moving forward in time and there's going to be somebody more popular in that time, obviously because tastes and styles change, doesn't mean that the groups that came before them were not valid. You know, the Supremes were the destiny's child of their time. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You no, know, we go back and we get and we pay homage. So, you know, that's that's the thing that I really always liked about uh, uh, TLC, you know, their influence. Yeah. Well, let's pay homage to the history. Morty, why don't you catch us up on this record? You got it, guys. Okay, so released on November 15th of 1994 on LaFace and Arista Records and produced by Dallas Austin, Babyface, Sean Puffy Combs, Jermaine Dupree, John John, Organized Noise, and Chucky Thompson. This is the second album by the American R&B soul hip-hop. produced that? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah you know, they had no money because look how many producers had their hands. You need that many people to produce an album? It only take two people to produce a baby. <laughs> you didn't need baby face and the other cat. The P Diddy also no somebody got to go home because we don't have the checks for this. Right on. So check us out. So in 1990, in Des Moines, Iowa, native vocalist Tion Watkins and rapper Lisa Lopez of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they were recruited. Morty looks in the- like he's in the lobby of a casino, and te- and, and he's he's going through this history. Like, I'm a pit boss. why are you doing it so? <laughs> and 1960, like we just got finished. I just took a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me get let me get a Morty, sip. Let me get a sip yeah. of absinthe. Get you a drink and start drinking because you need to calm down. What's good? What's good? All right, all right. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. So they form in Decatur, Georgia, outside Atlanta, with a vocalist called Crystal Jones for a new jack R&B girl group called Second Nature. Before the group we know, that were supposed to be like a female Bell Bib DeVoe. We were talking about like a new jack group. Soon, they get signed by manager, producer, and former R&B singer, Pebbles Reed. You want to ride in my Right? Yeah. So this is, I just want to do, so this is female-centric still here. So I was giving you that. So she renames them TLC, an acronym of their first names. So she gets them an audition with her husband at the time, who's L.A. Reed. And his partner can't. That's when you know your marriage almost over. When you got to audition for your husband, like, you ain't giving him enough to him to just say okay to these girls. I don't get it. Why am I auditioning again? 
Didn't we take vows? Oh, okay. Well, look like you got a new girl group. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy. So she gets in with the face records. They get in. So they like Tion and they like and they like Lisa, but they pass on Crystal. So they do a little recording with other people. Then they back. There's a backup dancer. This was the one that couldn't get her hair done. Crystal, they was like, Crystal, you got some. You got to get an outfit, Crystal. I, I, listen, I'm getting off early from Burger King. I got time to be wearing no outfit. No, Crystal, you got to not put your Burger King outfit on. You got to wear something nice so that they keep you. The, I, listen, until I get a record deal, I'm still flipping burgers at Burger King, and I'm not going nowhere without my damn Burger King apron on. And that's why they said, get rid of the bitch with the Burger King apron. Crystal, you got the bounce. So they add so they add former backup dancer Rosanda Thomas of Columbus, Georgia. So they to keep the acronomic name TLC, obviously T, uh, Tion becomes T-Boz, Lisa becomes Left Eye, and Rosanda becomes Chili. That's just so they can keep the TLC. So the vibrant, colorful image they have for the videos, fun songs, female appearing lyrics, especially Le- Left Eye's raps, connects with the public. Year later, they have four hit singles from a debut that sold six million copies worldwide. Such a great, such a great debut, man. Such a great record. That's like the most 90s. Ain't Too Proud to Beg's music video is the most 90s music video I've ever seen. Even the black dude that's ripped that keeps turning around. He looks like one of the bad guys from fucking Boys Boys in the Hood. I was like, that motherfucker, did he shoot? Fucking what's his name? (laughs) <laughs> Left Eye was also struggling with alcoholism since she was about 15, and she starts a tumultuous relationship with Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Andre Risen. And I'll get back into that in a second. So now while touring, T-Boz also got extremely ill from sickle cell anemia, which, you know, so she gets off the road and, uh, you know, she gets off, they, they come off the road, they break up with Pebbles over money issues, but she's still, her company's still production, is still uh, involved with them. The More about that in a minute also. So they begin working on their follow-up. They have the same production team, but they add a few of the people, like P. Diddy, that starts, that comes on for this one. Ugly-ass Jermaine Dupree, that motherfucker, mm-hmm. nasty. He was on from the beginning, though. He's, yeah, so, so deaf, y'all. So, fuck, fuck Janet Jackson. Right? Hey, I can't. I cannot well, confirm. He's still so deaf because every career he ever touched died. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and if Jermaine Dupri is listening to that, that's just a joke because I actually do like Jermaine Dupri, but I'm also a comedian first. Do it, right. do it, funny first. She's she's crisscrossing all over that, yo. Okay, <laughs> so the new, so the new songs on this record are going to move away from the earlier playful hip hop stuff into a smoother R and B tip, the beats, more coming of age, grown up subjects, including social and emotional issues that they were feeling strongly about at the time. However, few months before, a uh, few months into recording, Left Eye has an argument with Andre Risen, and in a drunken rage, she sets fire to his shoes in a bathtub which accidentally burns down his mansion. No, no, so no, no, no accident. That- <laughs> no, but the, the, the no, I'm saying. <laughs> once you set a fu- right, but once you set yeah. a fire in a house, you got to know that fire going to travel. You think it's just yeah. going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. nah, to According to her, yeah, according to her, the accident was that it burned the I house no down. I idea how this house burnt down that I started a fire in and then left it to travel all by itself through from room to room. <laughs> So as a result of that, she gets arrested. She gets five years probation, and she but to avoid jail, she goes to rehab. And she so gets a six contract. Yeah, she's only released for two times during the recording of this record. So because her notable, you know, because she's notably diminished 
on the record, her contributions are still substantial to the album's success. So let's talk about its success. Named for a personality trait of each member, Crazy Sexy Cool becomes the best-selling album by a female group in the United States. It was the first by a female group to reach diamond status, which is 10 times platinum. It's since sold 12 million copies in the U.S. Now, despite making the record company a gang of money, their terrible contracts that, that literally charge them for everything, travel, expenses, getting there, food, videos, everything. So now they remember 12 million copies. They made 50,000 a year each. That is contract. insane. That pisses me off. So it's the Chappelle thing. That's Chappelle talking about Chappelle show and saying, he's like, you signed the contract because you're young. And then, and the, and the fucking network makes all the goddamn money. And these three chicks that are so talented, $50,000. Go ahead, Morty, because there's more. Yeah, okay. you, I know you're about to yeah. say. And so, you know, obviously T-Boss has accrued a sizable hospital bill, you know, with sickle cell and having to deal with her health issues. And now Lisa, Left Eye, still owes about $1.3 million of damages to Andre Risen. So dig this. This is ab- insane. So <laughs> Left Eye grabs some of the ladies from her rehab, <laughs> and they're going to go rob Arista Records. And yeah, they're going dude. to go steal their albums and their merch and get Tina, everything that Tina, that are, you done, are you done detoxing? Because I'm trying to go go rob this motherfucker. You might want to take a hit real quick. And on top yeah, of don't that, worry, we'll stop by Fifth of Broadway on the way. Yeah, so on top of that, they plan to hold legendary label head Clive Davis of Arista Records. They're going to hold him at gunpoint until, until they get a better royalty rate. That's their that's their plan, by the way. Well thought out. And by the way, it actually works. They get a better royalty plan for it. Good. But at that point, but at that point, it's too late for them. And they have to file chapter eleven bankruptcy in ninety-five. This is after the twelve million. That's record. a year after the album came out. When the record pops, they all go bankrupt. So Fuck dig this. you, dude. Crazy Sexy Cool wins them two Grammys, including Best R&B Album. They receive multiple wins, nominations at American Music Awards, Soul Train Awards. They win Artist of the Year at the Billboard Music Awards. They win four MTV Video Music Awards, including Video of the Year, Viewer's Choice. Now, eventually, they renegotiate their contracts. They get out of the one with Pebbles. It takes them a few years of hassles to put out the following album, right? It's another huge hit. But at that point, they're fracturing. Left Eye doesn't want to just give a few raps on the records. She wants to be a bigger point of it. This is sadly, they all go and pursue solo projects with varying success. They're planning on getting back together. And then tragically in 2002, as we talked about, uh, Left Eye was killed in a car accident in Honduras. I thought now, it was T-Boss a plane and... crash. No, no, it was that was that. You're thinking of Aaliyah. That's Aaliyah. Yeah. There's like There's things... that was like they literally were like maybe a few months apart. Am I right yeah, or wrong? Well, t- I think uh, uh, Lift Eye was very, she was very affected by Aaliyah's death also. I believe it's a very tight. So now T-Boz and Chili, they carry on as a duo on and off. There's new records, there's comeback tours, reality shows, a biopic. Uh, this year, there's actually going to be an A&E bio, uh, biography documentary special chronicling their whole history. They remain one of the most influential female groups of all time. And they are still the best-selling American girl group, as we said, girl group. Over 85 million records sold. And that's good. where we are today. Good, good. Oh, that like, breaks my heart, man. Bankrupt. And that's, that's, and that's the fucked up thing sometimes about the industry is like, I I can almost, because I understand business, right? 
but it's like you're not you're, you're not even you think if you have something that is bringing you such success you would give it it would take them nothing they wouldn't even break their own bank to give each of them two or three million dollars a piece every year like that's the, the minimum they're worth more than that but fifty thousand dollars who that's like who can even and they have to keep a certain lifestyle because now they're going to need security because they're superstars they can't just be living anywhere being anywhere being in any environment they need to be secure and they can't do that off of fifty thousand dollars they probably couldn't even live in the building that i live in with that kind of salary i have Le- to get up lisa's lisa's eye condom budget is at least twenty two thousand. you know what i mean how the fuck she gonna afford those eye condoms dude comms were expensive back in the day dude all right, let's let's dive into the record, okay? Uh, okay. Because it's great, dude. Um, so it opens with one of the nineteen interludes on the record. This album should be called Interludes, featuring three hits. Um, the first one's got Fife Dog. It's a good song. I I, I really like it. I love that. It, I think it it kind of establishes like you know because we got Fife Dog from Tribe Called Quest basically doing his verse from Oh My God. It's so dope. Uh, but let's get right to the first hit because we got creep. Uh, and this is what I'm talking about. When you think of this record, you think of what this is one of the four or five songs that you you have to talk about. So, Morty, tell us about creep. This is their first number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It won them the Grammy for best R&B performance by a duo or a group with vocals. And basically, T-Boz tells Dallas Austin about a situation she's going through. And he wrote this one about cheating on an inattentive man. However, he sits on it because he thinks it's a little too corny. But T-Boss thought it was very important for it to get out. Um, but Left Eye didn't want to rap on it. She didn't want to put this on there because of what she was going through. This is what she actually said was, I don't want to offend people personally. I don't want it to interfere with my relationship. If he thinks I'm doing this, it's going to cause problems. And I'm not. I'm making a record out of that. So even in the video, she wanted to put a video. She wanted to wear black tape across her mouth. Because she just didn't want there to be any, you know, any chance of her being misconstrued. I don't remember this music video, but this is the song we were talking about. You know, Yam, you mentioned earlier about about T-Boz's voice. Like, what's so funny is about hearing uh, this again and then knowing how popular they were. But then also, I personally don't think T-Boz actually has a great singing voice. Like, it's not bad. It works with the song. But here, play, play the little clip, JT. What do you feel? How do you feel? Like I, this? This must have been one of them car jams. Yeah, no. I mean, I listen. I was not sexually active when this album was out. Unfortunately, because of religious purposes, I, it took me a while to get in the game. So I didn't have anything I could relate to, you know, with that idea. But it's. What I'm talking about is you hear in the song T-Boz's voice is something the way she can lay. Not about her being the most amazing singer. It's that she doesn't get credit for the way that she makes these songs pop. The, the, the texture, the crunch that she puts on it. Because it 
it sounds like a greasy, it's, it sounds like a bitch that's about to get greasy, the way she's singing it. Like, you believe that voice is a, is a woman that's like, oh, nigga, you cheating? Okay, me too, bitch. Yeah. That's, uh, not, that's not something you can make a ballad out of. You understand? And no, it, it, for sure. I'm Listen, I'm not saying that she doesn't sing it proper on this song. It, it The way she's singing, it 100% matches the, the music and everything. But it's just to have her, her she's the main voice. And it's not like, like she's, like I said earlier, she's singing almost, it's like speak singing. It's below the diaphragm, like, I'm all the way down here. That'll be me, like, I am all the way down here. I wanna ask you, because uh, I, I gotta ask, because I know as a beautiful woman, one that is uh, in the public eye, uh, you are, you're gorgeous. I love you. You know that. I uh, love you too, baby. Tell me, tell me, who's the creepiest dude that's ever hit on you? <laughs> in the biz? It, I mean, yeah, whatever way you want to take it. <laughs> uh, well, I, I have had it. I have had a creepy in the biz. Um, but I'll tell you, that I, I had one guy that approached me, and I've told this before. Um, I was looking for a temp place. Uh, I was looking to go to a temp office and take a test in New York city and I couldn't find the address and a, a security guard in one of the buildings said, I noticed that you were walking back and forth looking, you know, like you're lost. And I said, yeah, I'm looking for this address. And he told me where it was. And he said, you know, God sent me out here to talk to you. I feel like you're my wife. You're the woman that's going to be my wife one day. This is what he says to me. Long story short, I come to find out he was seven years clean from uh, drug abuse, sex addiction. Uh, he used to be a pimp. Um, he was a thief. He'd been married multiple times. He has a bunch of kids. And, you know, he had all these things that were wrong with him. Mm -hmm. And he said that God had sent me to him. And I said, how, how could God have sent me to you? P.S. I was having a conversation with him because I did take his number. He was calling me from some halfway house that he was on the pay phone. <laughs> I, called the, like, I called the number and some other guy was, because he told me to call him at a certain time. Another guy picks up the phone and then he, he yells his name. I forget what his name was. Maybe Curtis or something. And I was like, and it sounded, but you know when the, the receiver on a pay phone, you can hear it fall. You can just hear it swing yeah. back and forth. <laughs> yeah, like I could cord. tell the pay phone because it was like that heavy hit when he dropped the phone and the screen. <laughs> and he was just like, you know, I said, God could not have done this. And he said, why? He said, God gave, God said if I was faithful to him, he would give me my heart desire. He would give me a woman that was pure was clean, was beautiful. I said, yeah, but that's that kind of shit is crazy to me because you're looking for, and I was very innocent. I was still a virgin at the time. I was, yeah. I was 25, 26 years old. I said, why, you know, if, I'm, if I've been diligent to God and I've kept my vessel clean and my body clean, why wouldn't God bless me with somebody that's also clean? Why do I have to have stayed clean so that you can get a restart on cleanliness? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You need to go find you a woman who has recovered from all of the things you have recovered from or most of them. And then you guys start over again together, two broken pieces, trying to find a way to mend themselves. You're not taking my 
clean shit over here. You think I kept this pussy tight this long? You really in a halfway house that's yeah. telling me he's a recovering drug addict and slash pimp? Uh-uh. Yeah. Fuck that yeah. dude. Fuck that dude. You know what he tried to do, though? Kick right. your game, which is the next song. Yeah, I, I want to... The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! 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 The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. I wanted to skip over it, but Morty says this is important. So why don't you tell us why it's important, Morty? The reason I bring this up is because we're talking about this is for this album, they really reversed a lot of traditional gender, you know, gender roles. You know, Lisa, even when she's given her rap, she flips back and forth between being herself and then being this, you know, prospective suitor trying to kick it with her. So I give a lot of credit to them for stepping out of outside of what would have been the normal, you know, capacity of a record. You know, and so I just I just wanted to say that about this. But no, there's and one then there's, line in this. Yeah, yeah sorry, go ahead. What, I no, so, yeah, I, I, it's funny that you that you would pull the line and I saw it, too, which is because the chorus is so 90s. Uh, but the star is is Lisa Left Eye. It's been a month. You called me once, baby, come with me and be mine So we can make love on the 50-yard line You for me, huh? Me for you There's nothing in this world you know we couldn't do Yeah, but uh, who was that girl all on your back? Nicole I'm just a nigga that followed you to the I want to find out, I want to find out the stats that Andre Risen got the season that she burnt the house down I want to see how it affected his game Well, he was a running back, right? A wide receiver Oh, well, they got the run. No, he was a wide receiver, yeah, and he well, was good. He, he was good. practice from them damn flames. <laughs> they, Probably went up. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, Digging On You, uh, great song, but it has this line. Can you play 54 seconds in? Although for some apparent reason, monkey lines are now in season. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? Don't ask me something I'm supposed to because I'm black. Yeah. And please don't throw it to me because she's black. I'm not getting in the middle of anything. <laughs> I don't, honey. I don't know. Okay. Let's get to what I think might be my favorite song on the record. Case of the fake people. Um, the, the hook is from the OJ's, uh, 72 hit backstabbers. Uh, but I honest to God think this is like, this is such a catchy chorus. Uh, JT play it. Goodbye, goodbye, all the 
opening credit montage. Yes. yes, yes, dude. This takes me back. I'm wearing cross-colored jeans. I got a fucking shirt backwards. I am, I am, I got my starter jacket on. Yes. My starter, do you remember? Yeah, because we're, we're roughly around the same age. JT, I know you know. The starter jackets were the most important fashion accessory you could have in the 90s. But goose down, cross colors, all of that. Like trapper keepers and. Cornichi. What? <laughs> Nigga, everything. This was the last yeah. go round for Bo Rats. You see what I'm saying? Like, this was the last time bitches could wear Bo Rats. That they said, get it out this this decade because the next decade they're not gonna be doing this shit. They're gonna start this shit called weaves and lace fronts. Bitches was at, oh. at least 20 years old with Bo Rats. This was the color time. This was like Crayola <laughs> just said. I'm going to fuck the 90s, right? Everything was a Crayola box. It really was. Let me tell you how colorful the 90s was. It even toned down Ronald McDonald. Remember Ronald McDonald when this nigga first came out in the 50s? (laughs) He was the most colorful thing around. And then the 90s, you'd be standing right next to Ronald McDonald. Both of y'all look like fucking Ronald McDonald. This nigga was not, he was not brighter in the 90s. Then he kind of came back in the 2000s when people started getting emo. But like, you know, nah. The 90s was it. Only got people. And you know what? Back then, and they was the kind of group, they will tell a nigga what time it is in the song. Cause see, this is around. You know, they had, they knew they had some bum people in their life. They probably already knew they had bum contracts and management. Yeah. They probably knew people was taking advantage of them, or all kinds of shit. And then they singing to half the niggas that's producing the album. Trust me, they singing to Jermaine Dupree right there. They singing to P. Oh, Diddy I- and Pebble. Oh, they knew it. They knew how much money they did not have. Yeah. That's a great point, dude. That's not about guys. That's about fucking yeah, dude. And they're the kind of people that would do that. Especially Lisa Left Eye. That bitch would fucking she'll yeah. tell you like either in rap or she'll fucking yeah, grab some matches man. and get started. Yeah. All right, Red Light Special. This is, I mean, this is obviously one of the number one hits on the record. Morty, why don't you tell us about it? This is the second single written and produced by Babyface. This topped the Billboard Rhythmic Top 40 and went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, you, you can oh, it didn't go to number you, one. No, it went to number two. Wow. Um, uh, here's what's dope about this song. There's a guitar solo in it. Uh, I love that. Uh, there's a musical uh, drop ending. Uh, I think the highlight of this song, though, is the bridge. Uh, I think it's the best moment on the record so far. JT, play the fucking bridge, dude. Everybody on this podcast, everybody in the police army knows that I love a good bridge. Bruce Springsteen is still the king of bridges, but man, do they fucking do it right. Also, what's dope about this, Yom, is the fact that they're in the opening verse. They explain what the fuck's about to go down in the red light blueprint in lovemaking, uh, where she goes, I'll let you go further if you take the southern route. Don't go too fast. Don't go too slow. You've got to let your body flow. She talking about motherfucking. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I was 
so spectacular about this is that they could make a song sexy even though they weren't. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because only one of them bitches in the group is supposed to be sexy. And that was Chili, and that's because she was the one that had what's considered the good hair. But, you know, the, the way they sexualize black women is either it's in some type of whore, some type of guttural face. And so to say that you are sensual and sexy gives a layer of class, of refinement to it, right? Oh, she's so sexy. Sexy. And these girls were not that. And I'm not saying because not because they didn't look good. They looked good. But their style wasn't that. They wore pants. They wore, like, you know, where you had Destiny's Child that was wearing couture outfits and and everything was yeah, coming yeah. to their body so you could see the flow of their body, which we loved, which was amazing. You know, T-Boss, half the time, you didn't know. You was like, yo, is she pre-op the post? Like, you know, she wearing <laughs> Timberlands and, 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 and hard pants with the creases in them and you know, like they all yeah. they just got it's all, hot though. I yeah, think that's but what hot. I'm saying is like they wasn't wearing traditional sexy shit for women. When a woman wants to be sexy, she's putting on a dress or something that's clingy. Like they was wearing a lot of their outfits were like constructed outfits. Like, you know, they were wearing purposeful outfits. And what I mean is like they can go survive in the wilderness with the shit that they put on. The fact that they put Destiny's Child in the desert and catered to you, and they was in outfits that definitely didn't uh, cater to the de- desert weather, was crazy. But so you know what I'm saying. But they was, but they sexy. You watch these three. Go watch that video. Oh, very sexy. Go watch Red Light Special. I think in one part, in one part, they got like fucking men pajamas on. They don't even have lingerie. They got like silk pajamas. I think Lisa Lefai had some nigga underwear coming out of a paint. Like, you know the little Timberlands you niggas be wearing? What's the little, the Hanes? Yeah. Yeah, the jailhouse. She had the jailhouse set. You you niggas is getting your dick hard over a bitch and and PJs? (laughs) Absolutely not. But somehow they made the song sexy and there was no real sex being promoted from them. You don't, you don't go to bed with no bitch wearing no yeah. two-piece no, you're not wrong. outfit with Timberlands on and Hanes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I dig that look. I think I think, I think, think a woman is sexy. But it was sexy. It wasn't, they weren't trying to be, you still exactly. sexy. That's what I'm saying. What I, I'm, I'm placing it to what's going on right now on social media, on Instagram. You got a million girls that are showing right, like right. their buttholes and, and spreading their legs. And you're like, is that sexy? I mean, it's, it gets me, it, it makes me feel sexual. But what I find sexier are the girls that are like, that are barely showing it that are just yeah, giving you a little bit of that Hanes underwear. And, and that's, that's it. That's sexy. That's sexy. But that's what men, but not enough men yes. say that. I had an a ex-boyfriend of mine. I could, I bought all this lingerie for shit to be popping out. You know, I got a big ass. I got thick thighs. I got heavy titties. So all that shit I would let pop out. And he would never be as interested in me in that shit as he was if I came to bed in a night shirt or like a, a nightgown that like shows a little bit of something like, yeah, but you guys also have to promote that you like that kind of stuff so that women don't keep coming out here trying to be the, you know, uh, when they came out with the ass cleavage, I was done. You know what I'm saying? Like under ass cleavage, like this is too much. The girls have gone awry. They've gone crazy. <laughs> I'm all about JT. 
JT, I do you, when we were remember when we were like in middle school and high school, and I just remember like like Dana Diagostino would have a little bit of that ass cleavage hanging <laughs> out, and I'd be like, God damn, I, I was that was the time of the Haynes. <laughs> that was the time. So I'm a fan of ass and cleavage. Not, and, and let me put a let me put a butt, butt uh, mark on that too. <laughs> Pun intended. And a lot of girls go, well, don't say that. Don't shame women. Shit, their bodies and da 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 da. I'm like, yeah, you can do all of that shit. You can do all of that shit. You have every right to do all of that shit and not be shamed. At the same time, it's not about worrying about the external of who's shaming you. It's about how the fuck do you feel when you do shit like that? Because I know your inside spirit got to be feeling fucked up that that's the type of shit you got to do to feel some level of freedom. No. That's the conversation. Completely. And I think that's probably what TLC was trying to show ladies is that they don't have to, you know, they can be sexy wearing Timberlands. They can be sexy wearing what everybody else is wearing because it's in the lyrics. It's in the way they carry themselves. That's all you need, which then is why they can go into probably their most iconic song, which is waterfalls. And I mean, like we said, still be sexy, still be different, still have a message. This is a song with them. This is honestly, and this is what I thought about when you talk about the biggest songs in the nineties, this has to be mentioned. This has to be in the biggest songs of the nineties. Um, and, and when you, and then you, you put it with the music video, which is so fucking dope and so powerful. It's got one, it's got Bo Keen yeah. Woodbine in it. You guys know that Bo Keen's in it. Woo. Yeah. He kills it, dude. He kills the young <laughs> kid. Uh, and then it has probably the, the, one of the first songs that sings about AIDS. Uh, JT play it. Everything about this song, the, the the messages that are in it with the music video. Uh, first of all, um, am I wrong? Because I watched the music video. Jay, Did it go number one? Say what? Yeah. Number one, Billboard Hot 100. Do you know why it went number one? Why? Versus why Red Light Special? Because see, Red Light Special, I'm telling you, I'm going to bring back the race. You're talking about black sex now that you have to promote to the masses versus waterfalls and you know white people love a good waterfall so already she got a hundred percent of the white population look how you drinking that water now white people love water <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know why more y'all don't do water commercials so now and then the only population of people she losing is people of color who can't swim and since that's mostly a stereotype that we can't swim she, you know because that waterfall that cleanliness that if everybody can attach to that song from young and old, you're not too shy to play that in the room with your parents. And that we have to talk about the commercialization of songs that make songs one versus two. That's why I don't subscribe to this number system. Because if you want to ask me, Red Light Special to me is a better song than Waterfall, but Waterfall is more tangible. Can I get, can I, I'll give you, I was going to give you, I was going to give you one to guess what kept, guess what kept Red Light Special out of number one? Um, Montel, Montel Jordan, this what? is how we do it. I so at least you know it was representing. Oh. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. 
Sha la 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 la. Not even Montel. He was shocked. He said, no way I'm going to make a hit. My name is Montel. And he did. Montel was on the goddamn Comedy Jam yeah. TV show. Yes, he was. We did This Is How We Do It with James Davis. Um, all right, listen, this is how we do it is fucking, when we're talking about songs, when you talk about the 90s, you got to put that up there. If you're talking about top 20 songs of the 90s. Talk about for songs sure. white people That's how go fucking crazy banging for that was. as uh, a DJ. That song. At yeah, Bar Mitzvahs? Don't let the oh, Osmonds yeah. drop an album now. The Osmonds, we got when it comes to white people every time. Oh my God, Susan, the Osmonds, they dropped another solo record called Pigeons, Toes, and Coffee. We've got to go get it. Sunshine on a movie now. Sunshine, lollipops, and cool breeze on the tides and First of all, that's not what white people sing. But no, we're not that. What we do is this is how white people sing. This is how white people sing. Never made it as a wise man. Couldn't care about a poor man stealing. It's enough to be a lone man. Yeah, Morty, I'm right. You shamed Tell me. us about this song, Morty. Tell us about Waterfalls. Let me tell you two great things about this. First of all, you did say it. I mean, Prince talked about it on Side of the Times, talks about AIDS in 87. But on this one, this is one of the first songs that really addresses it head on and a popular song that addresses it head on. They were they this is one of those social uh, one of those social uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They want they, they wanted to bring something to the table that wasn't being talked about, especially even in the early 90s you know, to popular music. They weren't afraid of what it would do and alienating. And I like to think, and I could be absolutely wrong, Unique. I mean, you might know more than I do at this point, but it brought it to the black community, which was still sort of had a, had a big thing about AIDS, you know, that, wa- that wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't really uh, uh, absorbing it or adopting it in the same way. And I think a lot of people felt, I mean, they talk about the drug epidemic in this as well, but they were talking about things that really affected a community. And so I think they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, both, both of those things are government, uh, uh, government yeah. affected. And I think the thing is, when we talk about the scourge on drugs with the, within the Black community, we have to always remember that that did not come from us, that that was placed inside our community. And it is not something that, you know, encapsulates the entire Black experience. We have such a limited experience of what it means to be Black that we think every Black experience is poverty and drugs, and that's not true. But the one thing I can tell you, especially about the AIDS epidemic, and you can see it even in, in the commercials that they play, whenever they play the, the prep for, for HIV commercial, the one thing you never see in there is white women, right? Because they are being targeted. You're never going to see a straight white male in that commercial. What you will see is you will see drag queens. You will see trans people. You will see gay white men in the commercial. You will see gay black men in the commercial. And you will see black women in the commercial. So those things were targeted. And it's because we don't understand or we didn't have much of an understanding then because of the lack of information and access to the internet, how much we were being targeted to die and to fail by the system and the government. They were not taking it seriously because they assumed that the misinformation they were getting in the black community is that only gay men get it. Not to do monolithic to monolithic as a white man. I apologize. No, you're not the problem. It wasn't a problem. 
I'm sorry. I, I felt guilty. I know, I, and I, I love it, water. It's not about, no, first of all, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this thing that I do believe that white people should apologize as much as possible whenever possible. So I'm not stepping off of that. But that's not why I introduced the conversation. I was just bring. I was illuminating a point to add to yours is that a lot of times when people act like black people are just ignoring everything, just even with the COVID. You know, we didn't think we would get it because to be honest with you, most black people think white people are nasty. Like you do nasty things to get nasty shit. Walk outside without your shoes on, licking and kissing your dog. So because we don't do shit like that, because, but it's the truth, because we don't do shit. We are you talking about me right now? Coronavirus. And then when you realize and they go out and they say that coronavirus is disproportionately affecting the black community, not only because there's medical racism that's happening, but also this is targeting us in a very, very strange and aggressive way. Then now the messaging becomes race based, which is why all these white people that were going, we are the world, we are the children, hands across America when coronavirus first started and they thought they were dying too, were the same people that were running out to Kroger's with a pamphlet in their hand talking about they can't wear a mask because of section 345 or some rule they have no idea about. So all this shit moves forward based upon race. It's not just in what we may see politics or our regular lives. It's the reason why the, the charts are the way that they are. It's the reason why certain artists can't get on the way that they need to. It's the reason why when I listened to the Michael Rappaport in, um, one you did, and you talked about D'Angelo, it's the reason why D'Angelo can't be an amazing artist and change his style up. He has to be this over-sexualized black man that, in, that all white women want to fuck secretly and all black women want to fuck out, outwardly. You understand? Like, it, we get marginalized and pigeonholed in the talent that we possess anytime we are a person of color in artistry. And it doesn't mean it doesn't, that also inadvertently sometimes applies to white artists that can't do the shit that they want to do and also be popular, like a, a John B, who can't just, he can't get white people to understand what the fuck he's doing. And he has to have this sort of R&B vibe and black people support his career because he's doing something that a large portion of the population we don't market to doesn't give a fuck about. And that's problematic. So, by the way, I also I also want to apologize because I really want to have a sip of water and I'm afraid you'll shame me. Drink your water, I'm boy. I'm an avid swimmer, so I love what. One of the things I hate the most is that I have not been in a pool in over a year because I swim mm. all the time. I keep my body toned, even yeah. though I, I can't stop it from being fat sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I keep my body toned. I, from I see you. And girl. I'll break you down. Just two quick more facts on this, because they're in Atlanta. Who do they see in the room? And he goes, hey, come on in here and sing on this. CeeLo Green, who at the time was just in the Goody Mob, he's one of the backup singers on this song. And then one last thing I'll leave you with for this one is the lyrics from Left Eye's rap for this, dreams are hopeless, aspirations and hopes of coming true. Believe in yourself. The rest is up to me and you. They're engraved on her casket. And so I thought that that's, I mean, if we're going to leave you with that for this song, that I think is a big point. Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. No, I love that. And that, that, that's a, I want to I ask you, Yam, if you had to have one of your jokes or lines engraved for posterity on your casket, which would it be? 
uh, it would be the one to say, I hope I make it to heaven. And why did you put me in a casket? Because I asked to be cremated. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I hope that's not, <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. Hopefully the joke that I would want engraved on my casket has not been said yet. I'll say that. I like that. I love that. I love that. Can I tell you one thing? And I want to say this to all the fleece army out there. There is a clip of Yamanika telling a story about your mom calling you about a death in your family or what you thought was a death in your family. And it is one of the funniest jokes you've ever said. And I might've heard, or at least watched on social media. It's so good. It's so brilliant. It's so great. I am on it's my It's something pa- that we all experience. It's just about really it comes from a larger set of like, you realize you're getting older when you realize these old things are happening to your parents. And then I start going into this, a lot of merry-go-round conversations with my mother that's sort of like, oh, she doesn't remember that she said this already, or she's going to tell me a story that she told me yesterday. So it's in that whole So thing. I have a very similar experience. When I first moved out to Los Angeles, I, I was probably in L.A. for about six, seven months. And my mom calls me weeping, like weeping. And she's like, oh, my God. Are you? She's like, Josh, are you sitting down? And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened to dad? Oh, my God, what happened to my sister, Jody? And I'm like, what, mom? What's wrong? And she goes, cuddles died and i was like oh thank god she's like she's like it was our cat i was like yeah we had it for it was 22 years old i was like we got it for free you called me with dead dead nuclear family energy don't fucking come up i i had one of my cats passed and it kid it's a different kick i I I know you know and i and i also am um i was trained in the art of uh black funerally and what black funerally is is if you ever been to a black funeral, you know it's nothing but uh, Tyler Perry or ice, okay? Because it is, it is from the, Lord Jesus, don't take him, Lord, why, Lord, me, Lord Jesus? And niggas jumping into the casket and trying to jump into the ground and the theatrics. And it's just, it, I always say, go to a black funeral and then to clear your palate, go to an Irish funeral where they damn near don't even know the person is there because they got so much Anheuser Busch and fucking <laughs> big Corona on top of the casket and shit, and, and they dancing the last. They're singing, they're like, oh, sad, let us say, let us sad. Dancing and also getting a plate of food before they bury it, like. It's like such a nice night and day situation. Um, all right, let's move on because uh, then we got another we got another interlude. Up, I wanted to say this real quick: is that when we have the access to change the narrative, and it's not that I wanted to see white people have AIDS, but it's it's a strong narrative when you start to put that in a place where you won't see it, and also because the more white people see themselves being affected by something, the more Seriously, that's why when we have things like even what um, T-Boz suffers from, which is disproportionately to the black community, which is sickle cell. There's very little research on sickle cell, very little research, especially on lupus, which affects black women disproportionately. So when we talk about when we really want to make a thing a thing, you're going to have to put it on a white woman so that we can all go, oh, my God. Yeah, Uh, yeah. no, you're 100 percent right. 100 percent right. 
All right, so uh, we got another intermission. Uh, then it's let's do it again. Then the one I wanted to talk about is if I was your girlfriend. Morty, you had said this one's pretty interesting, so go ahead and tell us about it. Yeah, so this is the thing. So remember, Prince puts out in 87, same record as Sign of the Times I was talking about. The Okay, this, is, this track was originally made for Mary J. Blige, and then it was offered to the group. Some of you might know the group Total. You know, they're the work with Big. They're in, they're uh, in fucking, so. they're the, they're the group from House Party. Am Is I wrong it? or am I right? I don't know that. I don't no. know. They probably were. Total was the, can't you see what yeah. you do to me? Ah. Yeah. Biggie, biggie, biggie. Can't you, right. Yeah, they were, right. they, they had the, with the biggie did it before um, women was really calling themselves lesbians and, and power, power tops. Yeah, power tops. It's my favorite girl group, Power Tops. So, so as an example, so once again, here's now here's the clever gender reversal thing. This is originally sung by Prince from a male perspective as a female character. For you, for those of you that know, he went under this voice, Camille, and he did it with this high voice. Now he's singing to his platonic, to her platonic girlfriend about how much more intimate their relationship could be if if he was a romantic boyfriend. It's a lot of back and forth. So this is a sort of a women's group taking over a man singing as a woman. There's a lot of Victor Victoria shit going on in this one. But just so you know, this also helped Prince's career out immeasurably because at this moment, he was going through the whole slave thing with the symbol and everything with Warner Brothers Records. And people, a lot of people thought he fell off and was never going to come back. And they you know, were making fun of him on all the shows. This, this blowing up really aided in his career coming back something strong also. And he came out of it shortly thereafter and was brought right back in like top of the game. I wonder, I wonder, it's funny that you mentioned that and what we know about the history of TLC. I wonder if Prince gave them this song knowing that they were in they were having money problems with, and the contract that they negotiated originally was bad. And then he could, cause I mean, that's dude, the thing that you can identify with other people when the most is when, dude, I'm getting fucked over by this guy. And then they're like, dude, I'm getting fucked over by this guy. And it's, it's, what is it called? When you have two two negatives make a positive. Do you know what I mean? I dated a girl because she was depressed and I was depressed. And we had good times together because we were both sad as shit. So uh, do we want to hear this or can we move on? Yes, absolutely. Come on. All right. Jesus. Right, geez, geez, stop yelling at me. My God. <laughs> if I was your best friend, would you let me take care Now I'm going to play the Prince version. If I was your girlfriend, would you let me dress you? I mean, help me pick out your clothes before we go out. Not that you're helpless. I can't wait until we have a Prince record on this fucking list, man. I only know the hits. Everything I hear by Prince, I, I just love, man. Uh, I saw him live at George Lopez show uh, when he right before he was about to do the thing at the forum when he's gonna do those those nights. My cousin was producing on George Lopez and we got to see him maybe like 50 people in the audience. And it was still to this day one of the most 
insane performances. Also, if anybody we've talked about on this podcast before, the uh, George Harrison tribute at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where they're doing While My Guitar Gently Weeps and there's like Jeff Lynn and fucking, you know, Tom Petty and, and maybe Bob Dylan and Prince comes out to do the solo and Angelo showed it to me. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life of just this dude rips it so hard. And at the end, he throws the guitar off and walks off stage. And some big black dude that's by security just catches it. And Prince could not give a shit if he broke it or it's, he's the fucking man. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on this song? I'm going to be honest. It was my least. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and okay. it's hard, right? Cause like, yeah. no, no, no. I love that. I be honest. Always be honest. No, I get it. I get it. I be honest. I to be I'm being honest, and um, but to listen to you big it up so much and have these sort of existential moments, I was looking. I was. I was. I really was asking the Lord to let me see the same thing you saw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but to live it through you, can't nobody make somebody feel like they've lived through somebody the way you do. You were the master of that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I, I listen, it's not my favorite song on the record, but that's, you know, no here, no there. Let's get to the rest of the song. It's songs not the best beat. I got to say that the, the beat is a little, yeah. yeah. There's something about I it. I like it because I like trip hop. It sounds weird. I don't know what the noises are. It's, I don't know. Well, it's pretty faithful to the original. Like if if, if I'm, this is my high school record, so this is like the, the original very much sounds like the original record, but I give props to the fact that somebody doing a Prince song that close to when it came out. I mean, it's only six, seven, eight years after that. And to do it while he's going through his stuff, man, I hope it helped. I hope it helped both of them. No, and it probably did. It probably did. And I told you, they connected over being broke. <laughs> bad contracts, dude. Bad contracts. I've connected with so many comics over getting fucked over by Comedy Central. All right. Woo! Shots fired! Make sure you get the rights back to your TV show. And I did. All right, the next one, uh, we got an interlude. Um, this one's kind of cool because it's got Chili uh, prank calling Puffy. Uh, and she tells him, she goes, I want you to pass me some tissue. And he goes, why? He, she goes, so I can wipe my ass, uh, <laughs> which is great. Take Our Time is Chili's song. Um, big ups to Chili. She kills it. Can I get a witness? Another. F- Dude, there's, this is the 15th fucking interlude. Um yeah, switch. Okay, song. Let's please do the last song on the record. Uh, Something wicked this way comes. Morty, why don't you tell us about that? So obviously, this is a line from Shakespeare's play Macbeth. It laments the hostile and violent current world at the time of 1994 and the desire for a more peaceful time of the past. I don't know that it actually occurred, but that's that's the idea. Is we're all looking to when life was good, right? But the dope part about this is it features a verse from a, at the time, barely known Atlanta, Georgia rapper named Dre, whose group had just put out their first album just a little bit earlier in the year. Of course, now we know that as Andre 3000 of Outkast, another Atlanta, Georgia from the Goody Mob, you know, group of people. So, you know, I think that's, to me, that's the most important thing about this one. Yeah, that's great. No, that's great. And God bless Outkast, dude. I think they have three records on this list, you know, 
First 500 one. First 500, yeah. It was the first episode we did. Uh, but I want to play, because it's the last song on the record, I want to play a little clip of Left Eye's verse uh, because, you know, she's not with us and she fucking deserves to be in the discussion of not just great female rappers, but, I mean, all of her vo- all of her verses, uh, like in the ones in Waterfall, whatever. It's They've been super important. So here, play a little taste of this one. All agree that letting our souls become free of that sweet bitterness, then whose chest would have the most seats? I keep this focus in my knees and the stress on my back. With them caps, they be blasting into my knapsack. Ain't no accidental death trap. My mishap is the fact that I'm destined to snap. It's when I feel the spell, my body's able to go. My mind is ready to flip. Did you know first you catch and it's funny that Andre 3000 uh, was on this song because, to be honest with you, this sounds like an Outcast song, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the undertone of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all in all, I mean, it's a great record. There's a lot of stuff on it that I think could have been cut. Um, but the hits that are so big on this and so important really is what makes this record just really special. Uh, you want to do some facts and we'll get you out of here, Yam? I would love that. Morty, hit me with the facts. I'll just give you one quick thing before we go. As most, here's the thing about Left Left Eye, which is so important on this. She's only on like four songs on this entire record. Deborah Killings is the one who sings most of the parts that would be attributed to her, but she's only let out of jail twice. I mean, let out of rehab twice. So think of how prominent and present you think of her on this record, and she's only on it like four times. I mean, that is such a testament to her talent. And to her sort of the shadow she cast. So I just wanted to give that as props to her on top of everything else. I also, you know what I forgot? I wanted to ask you about this, uh, Yam. Um, yes. You you have a relationship with Candy Burris, right? Yes. And she co-wrote, she co-wrote No Scrubs by TLC. Yes. How did that come about? How she came about with that. I don't know that. I'm, I'm not no. typing her like that. No, I know not how she got the song. I don't tell me the history. That's we, we got Morty for that. How did you become friends with her? Oh, I did her talk show. She had a show on on Bravo, Candy uh, Candy Coated Nights, and I was the co-host on it, or you know, her sidekick. And we did uh, two episodes, and I kept in contact with her. She's really lovely, it's very sweet, down to earth woman. And uh, uh, what I think people don't often know about her is uh, she is a business woman. Like you see her moving her business, so you may see a lot of her. You know, people may think she's just a singer or, you know, with her sex toys and stuff like that. But she she knows how to get her money. She's not no fool. Get that money. All right, hit us with some facts, Morty. You guys are probably the perfect age to enjoy this. During the sessions for this record, they recorded the theme song to Nickelodeon's popular long-running kids sketch comedy show, All That. So that thing you heard at the beginning of it, that's, that's, that's TLC. That's Left Eye singing that rap. So that show, obviously, everybody knows, introduced the world to Keenan Thompson, who's going on to be the longest-running cast member on SNL. Ooh, I never never watched all that. I was a uh, "Are You Afraid of the Dark" guy. So, oh no, you really... don't get me. I didn't realize "Are You Afraid of the Dark" is the reason why I couldn't go to sleep most nights. Really, it's like the yeah, most non non scary scary show I've ever seen in my life. But mm-hmm. all right, now, so let me ask you this: What's your dream gig, Yam? Being here with you. Oof. God, I love you. 
<laughs> All right, go on, Morty. What else you got? All right, I'm gonna give you another one. Okay, check this out. All right, I try not to laugh because it's not funny, but it's crazy. So that fire in the bathtub with the shoes, you know, the mm-hmm. one that burned down the mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually the second one that left I had started second in a bathtub. She went back house. to the well twice. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> the first right. one. The first one she said, it wasn't shoes the first time. It was stuffed animals that she thought Andre was giving to another girl. And so that burned the first tub. So Can the you... one that burned down the mansion. He's like, was he's like Lisa, babe, why'd you tub? burn on my be- Beanie Baby collection? <laughs> you know I was saving them. That was an investment, girl. I'm, you know I've been collecting Beanie Babies. What the fuck? Are you going to give that to bear. a girl? That's my Beanie Babies. I'm, I'm too busy burning down the second tub. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. All right. What are what are Andre Rising's stats? It is. It's not good for the burn down of the house. This is going to make the computer crash. Not. Watch. Oh, it's not good for the <laughs> so burn? Like, you see this little see 15 it. here in 1993 was the year before his house got burned down the second time, I guess. Uh, 15 touchdowns. Yeah, 15 oh, touchdowns. Best season ever. Yeah, still had a pretty good season the next season, uh-huh. but uh, only eight touchdowns and a little bit less yards, a thousand yards. Ooh. Uh, but you know what? You know what? We really need to find out, which we don't know if you have enough time, was who was quarterback both of those seasons because it could have gone from like, you know, fucking Aaron Rodgers to like, you know, fucking Jeff uh, Bostick. Do you really want me to look at quarterback? Up? I couldn't think of the other <laughs> Jeff George. Nah, don't worry about it. 15 touchdowns, nine touchdowns is still yeah, respectable. Um, What's the, can I ask you, let me ask you, Yam, because we got yeah. you here. What's the most spiteful thing you've done in a relationship? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, okay, so one that I will confess to, because I did tell this guy I did this, um, uh, a, a, a guy that I was seeing uh, and uh, after we had broken up, he liked one of my girlfriends. He want, he was interested in her. He was very flirty with her. I mean, at this time we were still friends, but I was, you know, whatever. And so I, we arranged for him to go on a date with her. And um, she was in Connecticut at the time, so she had to get on the train to come to the city. And we made this big thing where he would, you know, he'd come to get her, but she wouldn't be there. She would stand him up. And so we obviously we wanted to see it, so we went there. And we were like off on the side waiting and waiting to see him like be disappointed that she wasn't coming. Yeah. And then as we were walking away and we're laughing and I'm, I go to high five her, I miss, there's like a hole in the sidewalk or something. And I literally shook my, almost shook my brains out. I fell so hard that I could, you ever get this sting inside your body from, and it takes a minute for it to go away. It feels like uh somebody threw heavy water on you. It was like this thing in my body and I wound up getting a scrape and everything and face had swollen. And so I just confessed. I told him, cause he asked me why I looked that way. I said, well, cause I was trying to set you up and I got played. Oh, that's all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> guess, guess what happened to that guy though? What? Three letters took him to his final resting place. Let me tell me. He, he's so close to me. Trust me. Oh, really? Okay, so he doesn't have AIDS then. No, good. No, um, no, 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 no. We wish him the best. We wish no. you the best. If anything, he got FAT. Oof. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, F-A. What does that mean? All right, Morty, what else we got? 
All right, we got a couple more. So uh, Left Eye, it's not funny, but when Left Eye drank, she believed she became an alter ego called mm -hmm. Nikki. That's what she called herself when she was not on her best behavior while she was drinking. It's so she sad to that as Nikki. That's so sad. The more, the more I found out about, cause I never watched any of the like little VH one movies about him. I saw the behind the music, but I mean, I was too young to really appreciate it. And after really studying this record and hearing her only on four songs and knowing the story, like she loved hard, man, this girl, she had a huge heart. She obviously cared about the world because her, her verses aren't, just, I mean, I, I'm praying that nobody ghost wrote for him. Do we know if, did she no, write no. all? She wrote, she actually wrote her own rap on a lot of the songs where they were, none of them were writing. She still got credit for writing her rap. Good, good. She deserves it. And and I, I listen, it's, I would have loved to have seen them. Uh, I would go see TLC if there was all three of them. I'm not going to go see T-Boz Chili and Lil Mama. I want to see, it's, it's like, it's one of those groups. It's like, you know, and this is going to, People are going to shit on me for this. It's like the Beatles would never been the Beatles. Even if, if Ringo wouldn't have been involved, it's, it's not going to be the Beatles and TLC as a girl group could not be as big as they were. If all three of those members weren't crazy, sexy, and cool. I, I, I believe it. And I, it's, it's really unfortunate. They can't, you know, they can do it because she's not here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right, Morty, what's the last fact? I'm going to give you the last one, and I like—I think this ties a button on the female empowerment part of this entire thing, and I give them more credit. In 96, when they won three Soul Train Awards, they brought their moms onto the stage, and they announced, they're the reason we're here today. And so I think if we're going to tie this up. <laughs> like, they're the reason we're government. here today because yeah. they're the reason we're here today because they lent us $25 to take yeah. a taxi here because we are broke. We're broke. I think Yam's buying another candle right now. She's got <laughs> All right. No, All right. you know what Yam's is doing? Yam's is setting up because what you don't know is on my spare time, I'm a gamer. Oh, Ooh. the Twitch life? You got that Twitch life? Yeah, so I'm just setting up for Fortnite. Oh, okay. Uh, wait till you get on the Oculus. Ooh. No. No. Now, Morty, I'm any man that can send me the Oculus... Hey, anybody out there, I, I send even, her the Oculus. I can't even tell you on camera what the results it's, will be. It's it. deep. It's, it's deep. scary. Morty, have you watched porn yet? Me or her? On the Have you watched porn on the Oculus yet? This right now is taking me away from it. <laughs> okay, this you'll get to it. Thing. Well, I got here. We got um, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got rap yeah, we got rapid fire questions yeah. and then we're done, baby. All right. Yes. Favorite song on the record? H has to be Red Light Special. Really? Yeah. Just because it, it encapsulates everything that I think the album really is. No, I, I I dig that. I dig that. Mine's Case of the Fake People. I really love that song. All right. Least favorite song on the record. The song we were just talking about. What was that one? If I was that your was, girlfriend. Oh, I, oh yeah. Your that's, that's your least favorite? I thought I thought I changed you. No, 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 no. You made me live through you, which oh, okay. changed me. Okay. But you still think it's it's a piece piece of shit. It's not even that. It's, I just feel like it. it's the one song to me that seems out of place on the album. I agree. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So then I feel like you might have already answered this one, but but who knows? It might change. What song on this record would you fuck to? Red Light Special. Come on. Okay. Okay. I know. I knew that was kind of a. And half fuck to. Oh. <laughs> Shuck it. Duck it. Quack. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite member of TLC. That's a tough one. All right. Well, it really is because 
I mean, obviously left eye, right? For obvious okay. reasons. I sure. felt more connected to her. And I feel like, you know, she had, she was, she embodied a lot. But I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, Chili had a really good vibe to her. Gorgeous. Sweet demeanor. Gorgeous. Quiet. Gorgeous. You know what I'm saying? Um, and had this sort of like intrigue, which was why like, you know, Usher was attracted to her and things like that. And then I can't sleep on T-Boss, who really was the leader and held everything down. You know, I mean, the obvious answer is is left eye for a lot of reasons. But I, I, I think answering that question in in this particular gives the rest of them a disservice that I don't want to. Then I got a, I got a question. This is this is this is a double part of question because mm-hmm. we, you heard them, you know, secretly. You had to hide this album from your parents when you were a kid. Who did who did you who did you connect with the most when you heard it that time? I mean, Left Eye. Okay, and now, you know, fucking twenty five years later, twenty six years later, who do you connect with the most? I, it may be more of a T boss. Okay. Now, okay. but I I think. I think those girls, because they all had different elements, that when they came together, they became one. So eventually they were all going to grow into T-Boss. But I think they all were left eye when they when we were listening to We them. all have a little bit of left eye in us. I'm, I'm a T-Boss from the first time to the last time because she got the same goddamn voice that I do. She's like, how you doing? <laughs> She's like, all right, the next record's called No Scrubs. <laughs> all right, last question. Does this record deserve to be on the 500 greatest albums list? Oh, yeah. It deserves to be on the 50 greatest albums list. Really? Absolutely. Well... This podcast deserves to be in our top five greatest eps we've ever done because I fucking love you so much. Uh, Promote away. What do you want to promote? Right now I'm inside and you may hear my voice on some things outside, but you can always follow me uh, at Yamanika on everything in social media on Friday nights. I do live with Yamanika um, it's 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we don't do guests anymore, but I would love for Josh to come on and let's do a musical. You know, let's do a, give him a little snippet of what you do and run him over here and cross promote. Done. They love you. I, dude, I would love to do it. Uh, Morty, go ahead, promote. Give us your uh, handles and everything. Oh, yeah. Hey, just uh, uh, Twitter, DJ Morty Coyle on there. And uh, you can check out me and my kid on Instagram at B and Daddy Cartoons, B-E-A-A-N-D-D-A-D-D-Y-C-A-R-T-U-N-E-S. Sing with your kids. It's great. If everybody hasn't seen it, it's great. JT, go ahead and promote your network. At JT underscore podcast exec on socials and ncpodcast.com. It's Next Chapter Podcasts. Yum. I love you. Thank you for coming on, baby. Thank you for having me, guys. My pleasure. My pleasure. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Yamanika Saunders, guys. Follow her on all social media at Yamanika, Y-A-M-A-N-E-I-K-A. Get her comedy record, Damsel in Distress, now.
We just listened to TLC from 1994. For new music this week, we have Serena. Hailing from Maryland, Serena Desire brings an uncompromising honesty to each lyric she writes, and she is truly inspired by the 90s R&B queen's TLC. And you're listening to her single, 10 out of 10. And if you are in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500podcasts at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artist and influence you in the subject line. Next week is Oasis Week. Holy shit, the brothers that fought, if they went on fucking tour, would make a billion dollars. And we're going to go deep into the 1995 record, What's the Story, Morning Glory, and we have two special guest for you. It's going to be a thicky. If you haven't heard the record, listen to it, do your homework, stay fleecy, do the do You just don't see what I see till it's right in your face, but I know it's in me. All these other hoes is basic, don't you hate it? Look them in their faces, can't separate them, overrate it. As I know you mad, you wish you had.
Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Next Chapter Podcasts.